Welcome to this edition of Thrive LGBT Plus Podcast, where common plus unity equals community. Our podcast discussions include topics important to the LGBT plus community, concerning the impact of religious stigma at large and finding freedom and healing from spiritual abuse. With that said, we also embrace joy and like to have a lot of fun, too. And now, from Orlando, Florida, here is Thrive President and host, Randy Thomas. Hi there, and thank you for allowing me to be here today. My name is Randy Thomas, and I am the Executive Director of Thrive LGBTQ+. I'm going to keep this brief, but I do have an epic name for uh, the journey that I've had. It's called A Tale of Two Closets. <laughs> Not that I'm given to the overly dramatic from time to time, but you know. So anyway, I have two coming out stories. The truth is we come out a lot over our lives to different people about different things, even to ourselves as we grow and mature and evolve. But we all have that one moment where we came out of the closet, right? And we should have that moment because it is a great moment of personal disclosure. Hopefully, it is beautiful, accepting, affirming, and a wonderful experience. And I think more and more young people today are having that experience. Um, back in the 80s, the first time I was out, not such a great experience. My story starts at around 10 years old. Uh, my mother did not want to have any kind of sex talk with me. And for some reason at 10 years old, she handed me a pamphlet. I didn't really figure it out, but eventually over time, I read in there about gay people and I wondered, and it was, and it was a medical pamphlet. <laughs> and it mentioned that there are homosexuals in the world who are attracted to people of the same sex relationally and romantically. And at 10, I didn't know what that meant, but I thought, Oh, that, might be me. At 11, I was pretty sure it was me. And then at 13, when I had a gigantic crush on both Bo and Luke Duke of Dukes of Hazard, I knew that I was gay. Now, I wanted to marry those, both of them. I wanted to, to have a big wedding where we all got married and lived happily ever after. It took me two seasons to figure out that Daisy was their cousin. And at 13, I still didn't really understand what that all meant, but I did know that in Nashville in the 80s, it was not cool to be gay. So I had no interest in sharing anything with anybody or asking questions because those doors were obviously not open. We were not particularly a religious household. We were Christians because Granny was a Christian. <laughs> we were basically nominal Christians. But as a kid, my mother did once tell me, we sat down on the stairs in the condo, and she said, you know, Randy, when the rest of the world hates you, Jesus and I will always love you. And that was really my only major theolo theological lesson growing up. And unfortunately, at the age of 19, my mother found a Valentine's Day party invitation in my pants pocket when she went to go do the laundry. And it was very obviously a gay party from the decorations on the, on the invitation as well it was made out to my, boyfriend's, uh, my boyfriend and I. And so she asked me if I was gay. And I told my friends that if my parents ever asked me, I would tell my mom the truth and lie to my stepfather because I thought my mom would at least try to understand. 
Um, she did not. She threw me out of the house. She told me that there was a special uh, place in hell for me. Um, and it was just a very ugly scene. Um, today, I'm 52 years old. We have a much better relationship, and she loves my fiance, Dan, and our daughter, and asks about us all the time. She's not a, a, a rainbow flag toting pea flag mom yet, <laughs> but that night when she made some horrible allegations about gay people and said some despicable things about AIDS and HIV. Remember, this was in the 80s when we didn't have a lot of information about it. Um, that lesson she taught me about Jesus and her never hating me, that night uh, that was really put to the test and it failed. Um, it was not a good experience. I lived out of my car for the next three weeks. Um, I was suicidal for the first time in my life. And um, when a local drag queen in Nashville at the time, Carmela Marcella Garcia, found out about it, she told me to get my mm, over to her condo, her condo, and immediately. And when I got there with open arms and a full table full of Southern comfort food, she welcomed me into her home. Now, this is drag queen in Jesus' name. Quite a different theology than what I just heard the, uh, three weeks before. And so it was the gay community reaching out to me in my point of need that helped save my life at 19 years old. And that was the first time I came out. Now, just because you come out of the closet does not mean that you're a happy, healthy, whole person. I was not. I did not have any coping skills. I did not have any kind of real relational, healthy relational skills. I was, I was in a, an abusive environment my whole life up until that point. And so going, being thrown out uh, to fend for myself, and even though I had a wonderful drag mom, uh, Mela, um, I got involved in a very dark scene and, and created a lot of very, even more traumatic experiences in my memories. And so it was not healthy. It was not good. And eventually I found myself in Texas because the aunt had sent a one-way Greyhound bus ticket that I took on the last day it was good for. <laughs> and uh, I eventually ended up in Arlington, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. Long story short, I ended up going to a 12-step program. And at that 12-step program, I, I really, I'm not a part of it anymore. That's why I'm not mentioning its name. But I really do credit that program as well with saving my life. It gave me the space to learn to have healthy coping mechanisms, to, to think for myself, to not be so codependent and emotionally dependent on other people. It really taught me a whole set of skills that I had not had up until that point. Um, and I was a part of a small group that eventually each of them uh, started becoming Christians. And it was very annoying at first. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. Come on. It's so conflicting. I, you, are you this kind of Christian or are you a drag queen kind of Christian? You know, and it, I just, it was just very confusing. But over time, I did become a Christian as well. And it was an authentic uh, change of faith. Um, unfortunately, I did not run down the street to the largest gay church in the world, the Cathedral of Hope. I stayed in Arlington and went to a conservative church. And eventually I got sucked into that toxic view of LGBTQ plus identity as well as relationships. And so 
I, I, you know, looking back, even though the church disarmed me with their um, hospitality and the fact that they were artists and not Bible thumpers and, and that they were not shocked by any of my crazy stories, I really wish I had just run down the street to my community and gone to the largest gay church in the world, but I didn't. I ended up at this church. And I ended up in a group that was affiliated with Exodus International, an ex-gay ministry. Um, Ex-gay ministry is a pastoral version of conversion therapy. It's the same thing. Um, You have conversion therapy, which is a bitter pill, a bitter poison pill. And then you have ex-gay ministry where they try to be smiley and nice. If they're not trying to condemn you with hell, they're smiley and nice. And it's like a cupcake. It's like poison delivered in a cupcake instead of a bitter pill. But either way, it's toxic. It's terrible. It's stigmatizing theology. And unfortunately, I got sucked into that. And I was a participant. Then I became a small group leader. Then I became a director. And then I started teaching and speaking around the country. I started doing media interviews. And I was also involved in a full page ad in the Los Angeles Times and just all kinds of strange things. I met Carl Rove and I became an activist. And just looking back, I'm like, how was I ever that person? <laughs> but I was that person. So not only was I a, a, a victim of conversion therapy, I was a leader in it for over 20 years. In my role at Exodus International as the executive vice president, I oversaw the three networks of 251 member agencies that were doing some sort of uh, conversion therapy. And uh, that's something that I will regret, but I, I fight ferociously to help educate people as to the harm and destruction that conversion therapy does in any of its forms, including ex-gay ministry. In 2013, I was the executive vice president of Exodus, and we were already questioning whether Exodus is really was really accomplishing its mission of freedom from homosexuality or uh, changing your sexuality. And those questioning, that being honest, caused the old guard within our networks to basically split. If you've ever heard of the large denominations splitting where churches, a big chunk of churches split off, well, Exodus went through the similar, very similar thing. It was the nonprofit version of a church denominational split, and it was very ugly. And so we were already considering whether we should close down Exodus or not. But unfortunately, in 2013, uh, my beautiful Michael, a friend of mine I'd known at that that 12-step program, before we both went into the stained glass closet, all during that time, and even when he went back to being gay and found uh, a person, a man he loved, uh, we were friends the whole time. And he was one of the most beautiful men in the world, through and through, inside and out. And in January of 2013, Because of his inability to reconcile who he was as a gay man in his faith, that helped lead to him taking his own life. So when Michael took his own life, 
I couldn't excuse it away. I couldn't hyper-spiritualize it away. I could not deny that one of the smartest, he was a Mensa member. He had an IQ in the 150s. He was amazing. He had a strong intellect. He was one of the most caring, kind, compassionate people I had ever met in my entire life. This man was a formidable debater. He knew his stuff. And so when the beliefs that we believed in that I was currently advocating for helped lead that strong man, that beautiful person, to think that suicide was an option, I could not deny that I knew Michael and I knew that these beliefs had helped lead to his death. And I could not ignore or deny that anymore. It ripped my blinders off. And at that moment, I was tempted to quit Exodus, but we had already been preparing a report for the board on whether we should stay open or not. And I decided to stay and finish that report and make the case that not only had Exodus failed its mission, it had become destructive and deadly. And I honored my friend Michael by telling the truth of his story and helping to shut down one of the most deadly nonprofit organizations that's ever been on this planet. Closing down Exodus was one of the most difficult times in my life. At the time, it was horrible. I considered 2013 the worst year of my life. Uh, 2020 is giving it a run for its money in a different way, but it was just a very terrible time um, at the time. I didn't know who I was, what I was doing. I thought I was called to be in the in Exodus for the rest of my life, but no. And I was helping to cut off my income, lay myself off, fire myself, remove the only thing that I had known work-wise, community-wise, friend-wise for 20-something years, 22 years. It was very difficult. And my job at Exodus had me following, keeping up with over 251 member agencies and the hundreds of people involved with them, leading them. I kept up with all of that. They all disowned me after closing down Exodus. And I went from like this cacophony of noise to nothing. And for the first time in my whole life, I was left alone to figure out life by myself. It was terrifying. I was in my 40s. Talk about a midlife crisis. <laughs> it was not a fun time. And for the second time in my life, I was suicidal. And in 2014, I remembered the gay activists that I had met over the years, that I had argued with, that I had this, that, and the other with. I remembered the ones who said, you know, Randy, we completely, they said to effect, we completely disagree with you. I think that what you're doing is harmful and destructive, but I want you to know if you ever have questions or if you ever need help, my door is always open to you. And after their kindness, their graciousness, their humility, the fact that they used their education to equip, not manipulate, manipulate me, eventually allowed me to realize that I could be a happy, healthy, whole 
gay man. And on January 12th of 2015, I came out of the stained glass closet and I've been out ever since. It's been five years and a pandemic later that we're still in. And I'm finally living the dream. I'm not going to marry Bo and Luke Duke. That's disappointing. No, it's not disappointing. I'm marrying the, the love of my life. His name is Dan. And we're getting married next April, April 23rd. For a long time, I didn't think that dream was possible or even that I even should have that. Today, I sometimes I struggle with whether I deserve that or not. But the truth is, is that we come out to ourselves all the time. We have a right to our own journey. We have the right to ask questions. We have the right to change our minds. We have the right to become who we truly are, even if we're our own opponent. If you're watching this today and you can relate in any kind of way, I know that my story is kind of strange, <laughs> but it's not that far off from a lot of what you've experienced. If you're a person who has experienced the trauma of people telling you that you have to be something that you're not, the trauma of religious stigma against who you are as a person, there is help, there is hope. That's why I started Thrive. We want to help end the lies that say you can't be a healthy, happy, healthy, whole LGBTQ plus person. You can. If you're a straight person and you're looking to be an ally, there's all kinds of organizations out there with incredible resources on how to be an effective ally. Check out the HRC, check out the Trevor Project. But I also want to emphasize that if you're in a in an area that has gay organizations, go meet those, those folks. Know what they're doing. Um, because if you want to be an ally, I guarantee you, um, as a person of faith, I believe that the universe, if you're equipped, the universe is going to give you a reason to use those tools. So get to know who your local organizations are. Get to know the national organizations become an effective ally. But one of the best ways to be an ally is to be kind, to be humble, to be gracious. And I know this from my guardian angel drag queen mama, Mela, Ben, and Ben, and the gay people, the LGBTQ plus people who have taken the time to help me. Ally Week. I want to challenge my LGBTQ plus siblings to be an ally to each other. We have not always been a cohesive community, and it's gotten better over the years, but we have a long way to go. And for Ally this Ally Week this week, if I can humbly challenge that L, the L's, the G's, the B's, and the Q's need to lift up our T's, <laughs> trans lives. They are purposely being targeted for stigmatization all throughout our culture. And so we need to get over our stuff that we need to get over. I had plenty as a cisgendered white gay man. I had plenty of ignorance that I wasn't even aware of that I'm still overcoming. We need to get over our own stuff and stand up for and lift up our trans brothers and sisters, especially our black trans sisters what's happening is, is cruel and horrible. And we 
need to be an ally to our own community. So thank you for this opportunity. Again, I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to share my journey with you. If you want to learn more about Thrive, visit www.thrive.lgbt or feel free to email me at randy at thrive.lgbt. Um, and you can also look me up on Facebook if you're interested. All right. So you all have a great Ally Week and thank you again. Have a good day. The entire team here at Thrive LGBT Plus would like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to us at iTunes, Spotify, and all the major podcast channels. You can also connect with us at most social media platforms with the handle at Thrive LGBT or visit our website at www.thrive.lgbt. Thank you for listening.